Okay, you should end up tonight with, uh, you should have a front and back copy that uh, is just a sample chart. Um, and then also you should have a front and back, I mean just a blank sheet of paper, I'm sorry, just a blank sheet of paper. And that's for your own personal note taking. Good to see you tonight. Let me ask you to turn to Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And let's read verses, uh, well, let's, let's read verse uh, 8 and 9, okay? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. Joshua 1. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Imagine being in Joshua's shoes. What would be intimidating about that? Having to fill Moses' shoes, right? And to be the one now with Moses gone that was leading the children of Israel into the promised land, right? Be a pretty, pretty daunting task, would it not? And notice what God is saying to Joshua. What's going to guarantee his success? Reading and meditating and obeying God's word. Does that make does that make you think of what we've covered in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? That the Word of God is inspired and He tells what all it will help the man of God do. And what's verse 17 say? So that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You and I are not going to be prepared and equipped for Every good work that God has us to do without having a good working knowledge of the Scripture. That's, that's just the truth of the matter, right? Now, before we start tonight, I want to just pick up on... I just want to make one brief comment from last week. Because we were, we were talking about different tools of the trade. And I gave you a long list of tools of the trade... Uh, that hopefully you will put in your library. Because again, if uh, a man is golfing, he's probably going to have, you know, you can spend, what, $1,000 on a good pair of golf clubs? David, you're a big golfer. What's a good pair of uh, golf clubs cost? About 1500 About $1,500, okay. And, and, and then, you, what, $100 in a pair of shoes? David is well. Okay. <laughs> And then you pay, uh, I, know, I know you play twice a week, right? Yeah. And a senior playing twice a week. What's the cost of it? Cost of playing? 
Yes. $29 each time, and you do it twice a week. So right at 60 bucks uh, for playing, and then you have $2,000, $3,000 in equipment to play, okay? Uh, what other hobbies does anybody else have? And what was the point I was making last week about this? Okay. Uh, when you talk to people sometimes about buying good study Bibles, and a few good commentaries. And last week I went through a whole range of commentaries ranging from the more critical that a professor or a pastor might use commentaries down to what lay people would use. So I gave you a big range of those. And when you, when you stop, and, I, and we also talked about all those different uh, websites like Logos and the different plans you can purchase on that for Bible study. Uh, sometimes when you talk to people about investing in Bible study uh, library materials, they wince at spending all that kind of money. But folks, we're talking about things that pertain to eternal life. You know, if somebody puts three or $4,000 a year into a hobby, you know, spending one or $2,000 on good Bible study tools is not extravagant. It's not. Let me say a word about commentaries, and then we're going to move on to tonight's. Uh, what is one of the gifts that God gives to the church that's mentioned in Ephesians 4 and in other, other places like Romans 12? What's one of the gifts mentioned that ties in with a Sunday school teacher or a pastor? The gift of teaching, okay? Think of, think of good commentaries this way, okay? Do, do you object to the church having teachers? Of course you don't, okay? What is a good commentary? It's a teacher in print form. Commentaries are teachers, They've just simply written their, their teaching down. If it's a commentary on Romans, for example, because uh, sometimes people say, why do I need commentaries and stuff? You don't. You don't have to have stuff like that. But it's useful if you do because you're getting the benefit of someone who has gone to seminary. In fact, most commentary writers even have PhDs, and so they've done extensive language studies. And you wouldn't believe what's involved in, in, in some of those programs, uh, the education of those men and women. They have a lot of good stuff to share about the Word of God. And so just like we believe in a, the, the position of teaching in church because that's one of the gifts that God gives... A commentary writer, again, he or she has the gift of teaching and they've put their insights down in print. So don't balk at commentaries. Now, there are some bad commentaries, but there's some really good ones. Um, but again, in, invest in that. Now, tonight, I want us to, to move on. And, and we're, as we talk about Bible study and Bible reading... Uh, the first step 
in Bible study is observation. If you're skipping this step right here, you're already behind the curve. The psalm, listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 18. The psalmist prayed, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from thy law. What was the psalmist praying that God would give him the ability to do? To see, to observe. Now, what makes one person a better Bible student than another? Oftentimes, it's just the fact that he or she sees more. The same truth is available to both persons. You set the Gospel of John in front of two different people. Same Gospel. It's just that one probably has better powers of of observation. And, And it's a learned discipline to observe. Sherlock Holmes said, You see, but you do not observe. You see, but you do not observe. Unfortunately, that's the problem with a lot of us, isn't it? We see, but we don't really see. Again, it's a developed process. Louis uh, Agassiz, I think is how he said his name. He was was a renowned 19th century uh, naturalist of Harvard University. He was asked on one occasion, what was your greatest contribution scientifically? And he answered, I have taught men and women to observe. Now, he used a fascinating process to do that. He would place a fish in a dissecting tray. He would stick it in front of freshmen and he would say, Observe this specimen and write down everything that you see. The student would immediately come up with a list of 20 or 30 things. The next day, the professor would say, How many things now? 37. I'm up to 37. Good, keep going. Every day this process would be repeated for two weeks. Now after the first day, a lot of the students thought that they had recorded everything and they would be frustrated that he was asking them day after day to keep going with that assignment. Imagine how they felt going into week two when he was asking them to do the same assignment uh, all seven days of week two. But what was he trying to teach his students to do? To observe. Exactly. To observe. The same is true in Bible study. Uh, Got a question for you. How how good at observing are you? Just in your normal everyday life, how good are you at observing? Got a question for you. 
How many, how many steps do you have leading up to your front porch? Do you know? One? Good. Who, who has no clue how many steps you have leading up to your front porch? Who, who, who would just admit, I have no clue? Okay. Good, brother. I appreciate your honesty. Uh, and I have a feeling you're not alone in here tonight, but you're the only one brave enough to raise his hand. You go in the carport. <laughs> How many stoplights do you pass on your way to work or on your way to church? How many stoplights do you pass? Okay. Three? Five? Okay. <laughs> Okay, I've got a little assignment for you here. Tell me what is, what is not on a dollar bill. And y'all, you might can't read my chicken scratch writing. Which phrases are on the back of a dollar bill or on a dollar bill somewhere? Podium's in the way. E pluribus unum. Who's got, look at Ned. Ned's like me. He's. Hmm? That these, these are just, yeah, it's not exhaustive. <laughs> so what, what phrase is up there and what's not? Hmm? Right, okay. Can you see? 
Keep looking. Just, you got a dollar? Keep looking. Look at the front and the back. And, and look real closely at the seals. Hmm? What's the answer? Say it again. I heard it. All of them are on there. Very good. Who said that? Very good. All of them are on there. All of those phrases are on a dollar bill. Now, would you have known that without looking at one? No. Just think, a few of us would. Something we use every day. You were what? And you were a banker. Okay, okay. But again, if you guessed all of them, you're right. <laughs> Don's still looking. It, it's, uh, it's, it's in there. It's on the front. and You found it. Okay. Uh-huh. That's, that's a great point, Jim. Yes. And what's one of the key things that he just said in those phrases that he was, those sentences he was talking about? Trained. Trained. And what's the point here? Do we train ourselves in Bible study? Uh, so many other examples I could give you. Not, not counting the, the sermon this morning. Because that's too recent. Last Sunday morning sermon. What? What was the preacher's text that he preached from and the topic that he preached? Does anybody remember? Very good. What chapter and verse? Do you remember? Chapter 4? In verse 12. Okay, close. <laughs> That's true. He, yes. How about, do you know what men, do you know what your wife wore yesterday? 
Wives, what did your husband wear two days ago? Was your, was your mom right-handed or left-handed? Okay. How about your dad? Right-handed or left-handed? Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, But again, what's the point? Do we have an eye for detail? Do we notice things? And when we come to our Bible reading and Bible study, do we have trained powers of of observation? If you don't, your Bible study is always going to be hindered. I want to ask you to team up with somebody next to you, okay? And turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Very easy verses that I'm going to give you to dissect. Verses 7 and 8. Acts 1, verses 7 and 8. And somebody be the note taker. If you want to work in, if, if you'd rather work in teams of three or whatever, that's, that's fine too. But at least two of you together. And be a note taker. And see how many things you can write down from Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. I'm going to give you about five minutes to do that, okay? And you should be able to list, you should be able to list out about 70 or 80 different items. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Couple more minutes.
Who needs more time? Raise your hand if you need more time. Okay. I take that to mean everybody's ready. How'd you do? I was kidding. I observed that David is still a control freak. Somebody, let's take things in order, going word by word, phrase by phrase, verse by verse, so we'll kind of stay on track. What's the first thing you notice? Jesus is the one speaking. Very good. Hope you picked up on that. He. Okay. What else? Keep going. He what? Talking to his disciples. Mm-hmm. And did you pick up on the fact that he was responding to a question? Mm, you have to back up to see that, right? They wanted to know about the end. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, responding to their question. Did you get that? Okay. You what now? Okay. Jesus is being quoted here. Yes. Okay. What else? Okay. 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 Good. Keep. Okay. So some things I wrote down, some things are not for us to know. And likewise, some things are only for the Father to know. Some things are not for us to know, and some things are for only the Father to know. Yes. And he set the date by his authority. Which is interesting. Very good. Yes, it is. The Father, I, I put something similar. The Father has authority to fix dates. The Father needs no other authority than his own. Yes. Very good. Yes. Okay. What else? Power. Power is available as a gift. When God decides something, he doesn't have to redo it. Amen. When God decides something, he, he doesn't have to ask permission and he doesn't have to redo it. Well, he refocused. He refocused right there. Something that he just said. Okay, this is it. Only God knows. And now I'm going to keep, I'm going to change the subject. Yeah, okay. 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 When will the power come to them? When the Holy Spirit falls on them. Yes. Okay. Uh, what will happen to them when the Holy Spirit falls on them? They'll be able to be witnesses. Mm -hmm. Witnesses of who? Did you put that down to it? Witnesses of Jesus. Okay. 
So the Holy Spirit enables our witness of Christ. The Holy Spirit enables us to magnify Christ. You know, uh, on a side note, you know, some, some groups want to teach, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to roll in the aisle and bark like a dog. No. When the Holy Spirit falls on you, you're going to be a witness of Christ. Okay? <laughs> what else? Keep going. Okay? When the Holy Spirit falls on you, you will be my witnesses. Yes. Okay. Witnesses of Christ in Jerusalem, which was a what? And is a what? A city. Okay. Witnesses also in Judea and Samaria. What are those? Regions. And Judea and Jerusalem are home turf. Friendly turf. What's Samaria? That was a hated area. Great animosity. Okay. And then witnesses going, the witness goes to where? To the rest of the world. Anything else? So you, sh you should have... Probably somewhere between about 17 and 20 things that you listed out between those two verses. Right? When you slow down and, and observe. Yep. When you take time to slow down and observe and think what's being told to us and even make notes on it. It's, it's just amazing. Everybody in those places. With, yes. Right. Everybody in those areas. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Right. And that's what Samaria would have told them, right? Areas that they wouldn't have wanted to go to, like Samaria. Because there was a long-standing animosity between the Jews and Samaritans. But he included Samaritans in that area. You know, what would that say to us today? There may, be, there may be places that in town that we don't want to go. Places we want to avoid, let somebody else go there. But they were to even be a witness in an area they wouldn't have chosen. Again, I, I hope that little simple exercise just illustrates for each of us, if, if you'll slow down, have a notepad, Read with, with great observation how much you will see included in each verse, in each passage. Now, our culture has made a radical shift today from last century. And even, not even a century ago, but just a matter of decades ago. Society was more word-based, right? Now we're more image-based. 
So the medium of our time is television or video instead of books. Now, as a result, what are we losing the ability to do today? Read. Right. Read, pick up notes, reading notes. But the Bible, talking about reading, the Bible is a book. A book that is to be read. Now, yes, I hope you also, lit, you know, on all these Bible apps, you can, as you're going down the road, you can punch in on them to listen as you drive along and as you're commuting to and from work or school. I hope you'll do that some. Um, sometimes it, it's interesting to do that if you've been reading through a book in the Bible just to listen to it several times because you might pick up on something. You know, the person's inflection, different emphasis they'll put on words and so forth. So that's good too, to listen but the point is, the Bible is a book to be read. And unless you're reading it, you're, you're not... Just through listening to somebody read Acts 1, uh, verses 7 and 8 quickly, if you were listening to somebody read a chapter, you wouldn't stop and pick up on all that and reflect on all that, those, those 17 or 18 things that we've just wrote down. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to read. To be an effective Bible student, you're going to have to read the Bible. Uh, and the more you improve your skills of observation, the more you're going to get out of your Bible reading. Now, something we'll cover in, in weeks to come, too. One, one thing I like to do in my Bible, I don't want to get ahead of myself, so I won't camp out on it very long. But as you read down through a pericope, a unit of thought, a unit of thought might be a paragraph, it might be most of a chapter, but a, unit of, a single unit of thought. As you're reading down through that pericope, I like to kind of isolate the main clauses. Um, and, and see what the main clauses are. Because I, what I don't want to do, although every word is inspired and every word's important, I want to make sure when I'm teaching or preaching that I'm, I'm trying to concentrate on the main thoughts. I don't want to end up, you know, preaching a passage and I've picked up on some little tidbit that's, that's not even a main thought. So I'll even try to isolate the, the main clauses, the independent clauses, then the dependent clauses. That helps too. Um, and to get a, a good literal word-for-word -word Bible like the New American Standard helps you in that process. Because it follows the Hebrew and Greek so closely. And we'll talk about that too, reading from different translations uh, but again, just, just reading to, to observe. In reading the Bible, 
board doesn't erase so good, does it? Needs a good wax coat on it. Uh, Learn to read as if, talking about this passage, I'm just abbreviating my thoughts some. Learn to read that passage as if for the first time. Boy, this, this board, I'm sorry y'all, it's not erasing. You're seeing shadows of what I just erased. Learn to read as for the first time. Now, why is that important? You what now? Say that again. Okay. What you've read before. Exactly. Exactly. If you're not careful you'll think, oh, I know what this chapter already says. And if you'll go to it with the attitude, just like we did that little exercise a moment ago, and when, with each chapter, and, and read it as though you're reading it for the first time, trying to observe all that's in it, you'll, you'll be amazed at what you'll pick up on. Um, don't, don't think you already know. Uh, what I made reference to read different translations read different translations some some good more word for word literal translations would be the New American Standard uh the Revised Standard Version, the King James, um, the ESV. Well, Tom, uh, Thompson Chain was that was a particular study Bible, the Thompson Chain Reference System. That's a study Bible, but uh, so King James, New King James, ESV, Revised Standard Version, ESV. Those are more uh, New American Standard. Did I say that one? Those are more literal word-for-word -word translations. And, and then like the NIV would be where the NIV can, where, it's, where they think that biblical words translate nicely into English, they'll do word-for-word. Where they think it might be easier to smooth it out, they'll smooth it out. Uh, so it's a cross between word for word and what's called dynamic equivalence. The NIV is, is probably the best overall balance out there of trying to live in both worlds. And that's probably why by far now that NIV is the best selling Bible worldwide. In fact, the NIV... Uh, last I read on it, it, it sells more than all other translations combined. Um, and then a, a dynamic equivalent, more of a thought-for-thought -thought translation that, like the NLT. 
Um, so different translations, if you'll read from different translations, you'll be amazed at what you might pick up on. Uh, the Net Bible is actually the favorite Bible of Bible translators. Uh, and the beauty of the Net Bible, since it's constantly being updated online by scholars, they're able to keep everything fresh and up to date. And uh, it has over 66,000 textual notes uh, that go with the translation. You can go on Bible.org and download the Net Bible for free. You can even make a thousand copies of it without even notifying the publisher. That's more of a literal, yes. Yes, that's more of a literal. Um, they claim that the, 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 the team who translated the ESV said that the Net Bible made their work immensely easier. So the Net Bible is a wonderful, wonderful translation. Now you can also go on Bible.org and you can buy a leather-bound copy of it that will be mailed to you. But if you want to kill a whole bunch of trees on your printer, you can download it from, from the website, print it off, and do it that way too. They don't care. So, But anyway, when, when you read different translations, you're going to see how the translation teams um, handle different words and phrases. Different translations are almost like a commentary in and of itself because you're seeing how different translation teams dealt with some of the words and phrases in that verse. You're going to gain some insight on, on what the process they probably discussed. You know, why they translated this word this way and not this way. And so it, it's fascinating to lay out all your translations around you and just read a verse or a passage in those different translations. Um, so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, thirdly, and, and the reason I'm saying it like this, don't read it dispassionately. It's a love letter from God to his people. Plus, how did you read some of those love letters back when you were dating who's your wife now or your husband now? How did you read that love letter from them? Were you dispassionate and cold and reading that? No. <laughs> uh, fourth. Read repeatedly. The genius of the inspired Word of God is it has staying power. It, it can stand up to repeated exposure. It is unlike any other book in that regard. Uh, let me keep going. I'll just, instead of writing everything on the board, because I want to speed up. Uh, next point. 
read entire books at one sitting. Now, the beauty of that and the value here is that you will, you will see the unity of that book. Now, you might have to read a little faster to get it in, but if possible, it, 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 so if you're reading something like Isaiah, you're going to need a pretty good chunk that day to do that, chunk of time. But if you'll read a book in its entirety, you will, you will see the unity of that book as opposed to coming back to that book over the next 12 or 15 days. Um, so do that sometimes. I, I realize you're not going to do it all the time in your Bible reading, but do it sometimes. Read an entire book at one time. Uh, and that'll certainly discipline you so you're not skipping around. Start at the beginning of the book. I mentioned Isaiah. If you were going to just pick up Isaiah and read and you jumped right in at Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort my people, and you didn't know anything about the 39 chapters that had just come before, you would, you would be missing how Isaiah is building the case how God through Isaiah is building the case and and you're gonna miss that next point read the Bible out loud occasionally you're forced to think when you're reading out loud and and likewise when you when you read a chapter out loud you might just hear something or see something that's going to jump out at you. Next, set up a schedule for reading. If you just read when you get around to it, what's going to be the danger? You're not going to get around to it. Because it is amazing how the tyranny of the urgent if you don't know that at a certain time tomorrow you're going to set aside some time to read the Bible, the tyranny of the urgent's going to creep in on you tomorrow and it's going to be bedtime tomorrow night before you know it. You're going to have to intentionally set some time aside. Do interruptions come up? Sure they do. But still, try to, try to be disciplined about some a time or sometime, uh, sometimes, plural, throughout the day that you read. Yes. George Kent, from 10.30 uh, every morning until 12 noon at least, he has set that time aside, he, and he's got... Um, Three different study Bibles that he uses now with the notes at the bottom of the pages of each. He's got some pretty decent one or two volume commentaries. And, and he reads and studies. And he also has a notepad, what he's reading. And he takes notes on all of it. And Yes. And he does that every day. And, he, and George told me, I can't believe that I've waited so late in life to do that. And he said, it just burns me up now if I have a doctor's appointment or something I have to go to and it gets me off the schedule. And he said, sometimes I get going and I don't stop at 12. I'll be going 12.30 or 1. 
And he talks about how special that time. He, he doesn't want to miss it now. Uh, you can go on as far as scheduled reading. You can go on just about any website, Bible study website. Or you can just Google it, Bible reading plans. And there's a plethora of Bible reading plans. Um, you can go on, I mentioned last week, Ligonier, Ligonier.org. They have about seven or eight different Bible reading plans on their website. And so you can click on one of those, uh, download the chart or the flow of it so and print it off so you'll have it and next year maybe pick a different bible reading plan vary it up a little bit but but folks there are so many bible reading plans now i i don't i hesitate to mention any one because there's so many good ones out there um, but that'll help you with scheduled reading Next, read patiently. Read patiently. It's unlikely that you will dip into the Word of God for five or ten minutes and come away with very much. The fruit of the Word, somebody has said, takes time to ripen. The fruit of the Word takes time to ripen. Uh, work with maybe one book for a solid week or even a month. Re read it, reread it, read it in different translations. Uh, have your notepad there and jot down some of the key terms, key words, central characters. Let me share a book with you. Uh, Talk Through the Bible by Bruce Wilkinson and Kenneth Boa. Talk Through the Bible. Each book of the Bible, uh, they will give you just like Lamentations. They'll give you a chart of how the book lays out in chart form with the different key themes. They give an introduction and a title. They talk about the author. They'll talk about the date and the setting, theme and purpose. Uh, keys to understanding Lamentations. Uh, key words, key verses, key chapters. They talk about Christ in Lamentations. And then the contribution to the Bible, how it fits in with the overall canon of Scripture. And then a survey of Lamentations. And they do that for each book of the Bible in just two or three little brief pages there. And so if you have something like that before you study a book of the Bible... And, and jot down some of that. As you're reading through that book, take advantage of that structure that they lay out for you. Key verses, key characters, basic structure, that'll help. Uh, read the Bible as an investigator. What are those... Do you remember what we always heard about 
newspaper reporters, what were those questions they would, they would ask? Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. As you're reading a chapter, be thinking about all of those phrases. Uh, read the Bible prayerfully. Can't emphasize that point enough. We believe the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yes, they're human writers, human authors, but there's a divine author. So before you start your Bible reading, ask Him to help you understand. Jesus said in that section on the Holy Spirit in John 14 through 16, particularly there in chapter 16 of John, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. Uh, so ask Him before your Bible study time. To help you to see wonderful things. Like the psalmist prayed. Lord help me to see wonderful things from thy word. Ask him. And then do your Bible study. Uh, read meditatively. Most of us read too much. And reflect too little on what we read. Read and then stop. And think about it. Meditate on it. Take time with that passage. We're in an instant society. We don't like doing that. But again, if you want to get the most out of your Bible reading, read meditatively. Read and then stop and reflect. And it may mean that when you reflect on that... Start back over on that chapter and read it again and reflect and meditate on it more. Then go back and read it again. Uh, as you read in all the above kind of ways that I've mentioned, pay attention to things that are emphasized. How do you know that? Sometimes the amount of space given to something. The book of Genesis we're going through on Wednesday nights. The first 11 chapters are devoted to what? Creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. Very important themes and doctrines. But then through from chapter 12 through 50, Moses highlights the lives of four individuals and their families. Those four individuals, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. From chapter 12 to 50, those four individuals and their families are covered. And most of it from chapter 37 all the way through 50 is going to be one person and his family. And that's Joseph. So the amount of space given to a character or the amount of space given to a particular theme. If you're in the Olivet Discourse in, in Matthew uh, 24 and 25, 
What's Jesus talking about in the Olivet Discourse? The end of times. And, and, and both of those chapters are concentrating on the end of times. So look for things like that that are emphasized. And, and you can spot that again by the amount of space given to a character or a topic. Uh, look for a stated purpose. If you're reading the Gospel of John, you're going to come to chapter 20 and John's going to tell you why he wrote. That you might see all the things that Jesus did and that you'll come to believe in him. So the stated purpose of the Gospel of John is evangelistic. Look for things that are repeated. Terms, phrases, clauses, patterns that you see showing up over and over again. It, it may be that there are things that are related that will show up in list. You know, if you're in Galatians 5, you're going to have a list of the, the fruit of the flesh and a, a list of the fruit of the Spirit. So make note of that. Things that are alike and unlike one another, alike, similes. The Bible will use terms like as or like, as the deer pants after the brook, so my heart pants for thee, O God. Or Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, like newborn babes crave the pure milk of the word. Uh, Look for metaphors, things like Jesus saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Analogies like you must be born again. He uses physical birth as an illustration that we've also got to go through a spiritual birth. Look for things that, where there's the conjunction but showing unlike, uh, you know, a, a contrast in things. In Luke 18, Jesus talks about the unjust judge. Is God like the unjust judge? No. God's just the opposite of the unjust judge in that story. Pay attention to expressions of time. Words like then, after this, when. In Mark's gospel, 16 chapters, 43 times, Mark will say immediately, immediately, immediately. 43 times in 16 chapters. Look for terms of conclusion. Therefore, or wherefore, or finally. So key words like that showing expressions of time or terms of conclusion. Uh, similes, as, like, metaphors, conjunctions that show either a unity or a contrast. Pay attention to all of these, these little key type words that will stand out in a text.
I've given you a front and page, a front and back page. Draw up charts on books. Now, granted, it is far easier to do this with short books. But you see the chart A and chart B. It helps some people to do a chart like this and lay things out because you can see the structure of the book. And this is just an example. You can do far better than this. Uh, the book of James, chapter themes and titles. Themes, chapter and titles. The theme of chapter 1, trials, temptation, true religion. Uh, some titles you might put over that chapter. The reality of, of trials and tests with accompanying attitudes. Chapter 2, favoritism forbidden. True faith seen, seen by actions. A title of, over chapter 2 you might want to write in your Bible. Faith and action. Go through each chapter like that and, and, and draw up a chart. And have a notebook where you keep that. So when you turn to a book, you, you can see the structure of that book in a chart. You can even start creating some of your own charts with things to emphasize. Uh, I've, I've given you another sample there. Chart B, uh, segments or divisions other than chapter divisions. Uh, for example... Examples of real faith and action. Look down below that. Not showing favoritism. Responding to human need presented to you. Controlling the tongue. Walking in true heavenly wisdom. Uh, humbling yourself before God. That, see, that's chapter, not showing favoritism. Chapter 2, controlling the tongue. Chapter 3, humbling myself. Chapter 4, being patient when mistreated. Chapter 5, and and. All of those chapter summaries fall under that bigger block above it that says examples of real faith in action. You understand what I'm getting at there? I, I'm, I'm starting to go too fast with all this because our time is up. But draw, make you some charts. It might be... Going through the book of Genesis, over each chapter, you would want to put the key character in that chapter. And then in the, in the column below that character, write everything about that character that is presented in that chapter. I've, I've gotten some big sheets of paper before and laid out when I'm diagramming or charting something... Uh, because you might, you might want to take like a, a, a page that's, what's the, the 17, 8 and a half by like 17. Lay it sideways if you've got a longer book and have a whole bunch of columns and characters and truths about that character in each chapter. And then you have that big sheet that you can lay in front of you and just kind of, Get an overview of the characters that way. Again, you know how to do this. Making charts of key themes, key characters, key doctrines that show up. 
And if you will take time to do that with the book of the Bible, when you get to the end of doing all that, you'll be like, wow, I never saw all of that before. Questions, comments? I'll try to help you more with that in weeks to come. Like I say, I got behind tonight and started hurrying up too much. Yes. Or these, these Bible apps where you can click on it and hear it read. You can hear somebody read that chapter, and that helps you know how to pronounce the names in that chapter. Yeah. Tonight, what, what I've intended tonight to be about, everything about tonight is what? Observation. Observation. Don't get in a hurry with your Bible reading and study. I think I wrote everything up on the board, but I can I can bring you the notes to that next week. Yeah. Yeah, I, I gave a lot of resources. So I'll I'll make up a, a page on that and and hand that out to you next week. But again, observation. Folks, don't skip over observation. See, automatically we want to jump to the interpretation phase and the application phase before we've done our homework in the observation. If you haven't done your homework in observation, you'll get the interpretation wrong. And if you get the interpretation wrong, you'll get the application wrong too. Slow down with your Bible reading. Have your computer open or your uh, word processing program on your iPad. Have a notepad, something. Take notes as you read. Jot things down that you observe. And keep all that together uh, on that book of the Bible. And as you read through the Bible again next year... Just keep adding to that. And that's the beauty of doing it on a word processing. You don't have to scrap though. You can just keep expanding and adding to it. But just keep adding to it. But observe, observe, observe. And you're going to have to spend time doing that. If you're not going to spend time observing, you're, you're going to miss so much in your Bible reading. My name is Ishmael. Go ahead. Cliff Notes version. I did just enough to get by. And to this day, I know it involves a whale, a guy, and a whale one. So uh, it had to be more to that book than, than what I did. But we... Connie hated that book. Now, that's the favorite book of a lot of Christian like theologians and pastors and authors. They love Moby Dick. Connie hated that book. Right. We want to be spoon-fed. Tell me what I want to believe and I'll go believe it. And it's having overwhelming negative effects on our country. It is. It is. 
They don't want to put the effort into it so they believe what they're being told. Yeah. Well, even in the church, yeah. we want to be spoon-fed or, you know. And, but again, we're losing our ability to read and observe. I think you're losing the ability to discern. Yeah. Eleanor? Sure. Sure. Well, sure. Well, like I mentioned last week, uh, Keith Matheson with Ligonier, if, if you'll Google top five commentaries on Genesis or top commentaries on Romans or whatever, because he does it for each book of the Bible. He'll give you the top five, and then he'll give you runners up. Uh, I don't know where he got his training. I mean, I know he's got a Ph.D., he is spot on with his recommendations. His recommendations are fabulous. And see, they did that for us in seminary, to, you know, um, top commentaries on each book of the Bible. And all. But Keith Matheson, because commentaries are always being written new ones, he is spot on with his recommendations. So just Google top commentaries on Romans, top commentaries on Matthew, whatever book you're reading, and he'll recommend the top five. And then go on Amazon and order them. Now, he'll also tell you this one is more technical and a layperson might have difficulty with this one. So skip down and look at the third one I'm recommending if you're a layman. So he'll do some of that too. Uh, but all of his, I have never been led astray on any of his recommendations. Okay, let's close. Uh, David Brendel, would you close us in prayer?